Welcome to Neighborhood Church. To find out more about who we are, go to neighborhoodchurchmn.org. Enjoy the message. All right, who wants to have some fun? Uh, I think the five-minute break might be my favorite part. We were talking about the politics of uh, Carlton and Renshaw school districts and school boards, and I could talk about that all day long. And then Dietrich's talking about crashing a plane, so it's, uh, it's wonderful. It's really, really positive. <laughs> I heard him say, like, when the engine gives out, then you don't know what to do. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> all right. So um, we are continuing our series, uh, and thank you to Vernita Jane, who spoke la- last week. I appreciate that. I was at uh, the first solder wedding in, like, a long time, and it, uh, it delivered. It was a lot of fun. So, um, but we're continuing our series called uh, Sus Sus, and to explain this, I'm going to tell you two stories that clearly make sense about the divine. First one is this. We were coming home from the Wisconsin Dells probably, um, I don't know, six, seven years ago. And if you're familiar with, with uh, heading north on 53 in Wisconsin, uh, you have Ashland to your right, and you have Superior to your left, and you're coming up to uh, merge back on Highway 2. And it's, it goes like, it takes this big, um, hard left turn. And it was raining previously pretty hard, and we're going up on the hill, and we're coming down, and there was a puddle, and I misjudged how big the puddle was, and we're going um, probably a little too fast. Uh, and uh, we hit the puddle, and we hydroplaned. And the van I'm, uh, went slightly left. And then I looked in the mirror, and I saw my daughter and had this, like, unspoken communication of, like, are we going to live, right? And probably, like, why are you doing this to me, Dad? So car went left, and then it went hard right and spun all the way around. And we were sliding into the ditch. And the ditch was, oh, the winters, you were right behind us. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> they saw us and slowed down. And, um, and the ditch was, was fairly steep. And there was woods. And we hit the ditch and we slid um, in and missed the woods. And when the state trooper came, he said, it's a miracle that you didn't roll your van for how fast you're going and how steep the bank was. And um, I was glad that we did not roll the van. I'm glad that we are still alive. Now, second story that clearly makes sense to the first story. When I was a kid, me and my cousin Ryan would put our hand on a dartboard, and he had the darts with the metal tips. And I said, hey, Ryan, let's put our hand up here, and then you throw darts, and let's see if we can get it in between our fingers, right? So instead of, like, drawing a hand, we were morons. We put our hand up there. And he threw them like three times, and they, two of them went right between my fingers, and the third one like went, like missed the board or something like that. I'm like, wow, it's my turn. So I get, I get to throw it, and I throw three, and none of them hit Ryan's hands. And we looked at each other, and we're like, we should be playing for money. We are so good at this. We're athletes, and we're high-fiving each other, right? Now, would I say that it was... God's divine intervention, right? Was it a miracle that those darts did not hit my hand? 
or was it blind luck, or were we athletes when we were seven years old? Clearly, we're athletes. Yes, we are very good, right? And no one would say that is an intervention that is a miracle, right? In the same way, is it a miracle, right, that we did not go into the ditch? Now, A, let me, this is a caveat for everyone here and who's watching. I do believe in miracles. I really do. It'd be a cold world if I didn't believe somehow in some way that maybe this God could do something miraculous. I'm incredibly um, suspect of that idea, but I can't say there's no miracles. But was this instance a miracle? I would say probably not, right? Because if you play by that logic, that it's a miracle that God intervened, God stepped in and protected my van and my family, then you're also saying, well, then all the other vans that rolled or they had injuries or maybe died, God didn't do that. So why would God choose me, not someone else? That becomes problematic, right? And I love thinking about this. Some people are like, let's not think about that. Can we just read Psalms 23 a couple times and be done, right? I love, but here's why. Um, We're doing this series called Sasas. We say things, um, or I'd say for generations, Christians have said things that kind of like, you know, well-meaning and like rooted in love and they want the best. But when you think about it, you're like, hmm, really? Right? Like we did um, uh, Jeff's favorite one. Hey, Jeff, God told me to tell you. Right? <laughs> All right? Like that's, when, I, when I've heard that from people, I'm like, well, buckle up. Here we go. Or um, two weeks ago we did, well, you know, God just needs another angel. Right? And the, the toxic and violence that can do. Today we're doing um, Jesus Take the Wheel. Or, more commonly, all right, uh, let go and let God, right? And, <laughs> right, in theory, it's a beautiful thing. Like, in this, um, in that song, Jesus Take the Wheel, if I remember correctly, it, she, she hits a patch of ice or something, right? Is that what it is? Jamie could sing, want to sing the song? You probably could, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, hits a patch of ice, and then she's, it's, it goes like, Jesus, take the wheel. I don't know. I don't know the melody at all. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's like, Jesus, take the wheel. Um, and she like, let's go, right? Isn't that how it goes? And then miraculously, Jesus says like, I got you. And that's like the bridge. I got you. The wheel is good and so are you. So, um, right? In my, in my story, all right, I did not let Jesus take the wheel, all right? I am an athlete because I can throw darts, clearly, and I didn't hit the brakes, and I held on to that wheel, right? And so um, the idea of let go, let God, I I really do think it is rooted in kindness. I think it's positive, right? The idea of Jesus take the wheel is very problematic to me (laughs) for the same reason of why did Jesus take this wheel and not the other wheels? Why why this one? But anyways, um, so the idea of what I can get behind of let go and let God um, hey, has anyone ever has anyone ever said that to you? You just really raise your hand. Are you serious? I've only seen it on T-shirts and bumper stickers. Wow. Uh, to, oh, yeah. Okay, that's different. Yes, so I'm getting there. I'm getting there. The your mom. Okay, thanks, mom. So um, the the idea behind it that I can get behind, or also with AA, um, is to let go of your ego, to let go of oneself, and let God, right, be in control or whatever the, 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 the God or goddess that you follow to inspire to continue to be better and do better. And the reason I can get behind this is because uh, I have an ego, and my ego is crazy, right? 
My ego that I need to let go of is when someone is even just passing me. We're on the interstate, and they just pass me. <laughs> yeah, my wife already. All right, this happened yesterday. The guy just... just <laughs> just passes me and I'm going a comfortable speed I'm fine with my speed but when someone passes me and I think I'm speeding and they're speeding more than I'm speeding there's something inside me says "Mm, not today Satan right and I and I started to speed up and Nikki's like oh Chris please don't do this and I I lie to her and say do what I'm not doing anything I just I wanted to go faster when he passed me so right there's something in my ego that says you can't lose you must teach this person a clear lesson that they're never gonna get right that's ego, right? Ego, if, you have, if you're a parent, you have kids, sometimes the ego says, I don't think they are responding the way I want them to respond. I want them to, be, to cry harder. I want them to feel really bad. And so then I get louder because I have to be right and big, strong dad. That is ego, right? Ego makes us do incredibly stupid things because there's something inside of us that needs to prove that we're better or proves that we're even valued, that we're here. And when you can let go of the ego or kill your ego, this is like Taoism, right, 101, right? The way of the path is you stay in this path and you die to self, right? And the path will lead you to these beautiful spaces and these beautiful realities. And it's true. When we can trust that there's a good God that wants nothing but good things for us, then I don't need to be, quote, unquote, in control. But where, man, I love talking about this, where it can get um, incredibly toxic and violent, and this is where I've experienced it the most, or I've seen it, because no one's ever said, hey, Chris, let go and let God, right? Because I'd probably laugh. So, but where I've seen people embrace it and use it um, is in, in this sense. Uh, do you guys remember uh, the riots in Minneapolis, right? Remember George Floyd was murdered by, um, oh, what was his name? Um, Derek Chauvin, thank you, right? And in that space, there was a lot of us, right? Those of you here watching online, um, where we were posting Black Lives Matter, we were paying attention to the news, we were um, looking up resources on how to be an anti-racist, maybe in work there was more talk about um, diversity and equity and liberation, and like we're having conversations with our friends, we're having conversations with our families, there's intense things going online when your coworker says all lives matter and that's code for whatever it is, and so Mike, of course, has to step in, and there's all this, like, there's all this... Um, not just information, there's all this emotion, there is rage, right? There is feelings, there is grief. And then, if you were like me, right, I happen to be something we call a middle-aged white man who plays golf. Um, so um, we can get exhausted by this, right? I got tired of it. And so I have this nice little thing called the pause button. And as a white man, I can hit that button really hard and really quick where I'm say, I say, this is too much. This is overwhelming. I want to turn my brain off. I, I can't deal with this, this anymore, right? I'm going to let go, and I'm going to let God. God, thoughts and prayers to the people in Minneapolis. God, thoughts and prayers to the people and um, to George Floyd and his family. And that is a, you know, a seemingly positive thing. We call that privilege. I have the ability to let go. I have the option to let go. And that button I have to replace often because I hit it so hard, right? Because I have a way to escape where people of color don't have that pause button. The the conversations that people of color have with their six-year-olds when they're driving, 
vastly different the conversation I have with my son Cole when he was about to drive. Why? Because they can't turn it off, people of color. I can, right? When let go and let God is code for disconnect from reality, there's violence, there's toxicity. And this is where I've seen it used way too much for people to just say, I can't handle this anymore. I don't want to talk. Why do we all, I mean, I've had this conversation so many times. Why can't we just talk about fun things? I'm like, hey, it's kind of fun for me. But uh, uh, can't we just talk about happy things? And I think, yeah, we do. And we do talk about happy things. At the same time, I think it's important that we have these hard conversations, that we're aware of what is kind of sus-sus, because it's easy for us, right? It's easy for us to disconnect. Now, pause. I'm not saying at all that we should not take breaks, right? That is, <laughs> I'm not saying get every alert on your phone, like don't go to bed, like be on social media and like be the watchman of all everything everyone's saying. Not at all. I think it is important that we find rest. I think it's important that we're aware when anxiety or whatever is taking over. And there's ways of doing that without disconnecting, without like, like disconnecting from reality, right? That is healthy and you have to learn how to do that, right? That is something that is not done easy, right? To make it really, really healthy. So I'm saying take care of yourself, that's good. But over here of where we can distance ourselves because we have privilege is I don't think A, the healthiest thing, and B, I would say it's not the way of Christ. So what are we to do then, right? If it's not just let go thoughts and prayers and let God, right? What should we do? Well, let's look at Jesus. If we believe that, um, oh, I believe that Jesus is the incarnation of God, right? Like the spirit of the living God is inside of Jesus. Like if you really want to nerd out, we can talk about, we can talk with the, the, the eternal conscious of Christ and Christ being the indwelling in the person of Jesus. I had loved talking about that. But anyways, um, so back to Jesus. Jesus, eternal conscious of Christ embodied in the person of Jesus. Um, do I believe that Jesus prayed to God? Yes, I do. In the Gospels, it talks about multiple times that Jesus would, um, early in the morning, would hide away, be alone, and would pray or meditate or rest or do the wordle. Whatever brought Jesus joy, Jesus did, right? But do I think that Jesus, when Jesus was praying, was like, all right, God, like, hey, it's me, Jesus. You might remember me from, you know, being your one only son, and uh, it's going well today. What? What? You want me to? Want me to feed people today? Oh, that's a good one, God. I didn't think about that, right? I don't think Jesus had these, like, um, like God speaking to him, saying, do this now, Jesus, or you'll be grounded. I, I, I think Jesus, in his time of, of praying and resting and meditating, was, like, reconnecting to the things he already knew, right? Because if the idea of letting go and then let God, then God's going to intervene and drop something supernaturally into Jesus' mind. I don't think how it worked. Jesus was a rabbi. Jesus was deeply aware of the Hebrew Bible or what we call, well, he was aware of the Torah and the other documents at the time, right, called what we call, uh, we call the Hebrew Bible. Jesus was steeped in this stuff, right? And in the Hebrew Bible, in the Torah, it talks a lot about, I don't know, feeding people, taking care of immigrants, taking care and being aware of the world around you and the people around you. If one is hurting, we're all hurting, right? It's like Jesus is steeped in this tradition. So Jesus didn't need to let go and then God speak to him. Jesus was aware of this is what it means to be human, 
This is the holiest thing we can do. So this is why Jesus showed up. Jesus went from table to table, party to party, meal to meal, and Jesus did things like dance and laugh, right? He also did things of saying incredibly mystic things to help people transcend into new realities. Jesus flipped tables, right, out of injustice. Jesus challenged those in power and those uh, in control as saying there's, there's got to be better stuff. Jesus does this over and over again, not out of divine wisdom, right, because Jesus says this is who we're supposed to be, right? And actually, it's what Jesus got killed. It was something so much more than Jesus just coming to die, Right? If Jesus' whole point was just come down the cross, why didn't Jesus get over with a lot quicker? Because I believe that Jesus is showing us this is what it means to be human. This is what it means to be sacred. This is what it means to be holy. So what does that mean for us? Two things. The first one I'd say is we have to be aware of what's happening in our neighborhoods. We have to be somewhat engaged of what's happening in the world around us. Now, what engaged looks like for you, and engage for me, might be very different. I love, um, what's the word? I love activism, right? In, in whatever sense, I deeply, deeply believe in it. And I had a conversation, actually, Nick and I had a conversation with our friends, this is probably a year ago, and I was talking about, hey, this is what I think we should be doing, this is what we need to be speaking up, and we need to show up to these meetings, and blah, blah, blah. And my, our friends kind of looked uncomfortable, and they said, well, Chris, like, what if our activism looks different than yours? And I'm like, D- did you hear me say, did you think I was saying, like, Jamie, you have to do all the same things I'm doing? And the person goes, kind of. And I thought back to what I said. I'm like, oh, yeah, I was totally shaming you. I didn't mean to. And, and what I said is, we can't have a world full of solders. We can't. It would be dope. It would be awesome. It would be one fun party. But it would be exhausting, right? I'm, I'm not, uh, <laughs> those who are watching listening, my wife right now is giggling, trying not to pee her pants, and laughing at the idea of solders in the world. Um, what was I talking about now? Oh, um, of whatever level of engagement I'm at, I have a, a job and a passion and, like, a drive that really believes in that. But I look at, like, the, the water healers, the indigenous people who are um, protesting uh, line three and others that are out there trying to take care of their land and their water people. I watch them. I'm like, oh, man, I, I don't know how they do that, right? And it's like I don't need to be them, and they don't need to be me, and Jamie doesn't need to be me, nor do I have to be Jamie. But we can all be engaged to some level, and I think that's important. And how do you do that? Maybe you're not the biggest, like, hey, I want to watch the news every night. I don't like watching the news. I love reading the news, right? I love reading the opinion section, the op-ed in New York Times, but maybe Anwen doesn't want to do that. But you can learn about the needs in your neighborhood. And I'm actually, how do I say this? Um, when I talk with people and I ask them, hey, so like, what are the things happening in your life? What are some of the needs in your neighborhood? A majority of people don't have any clue, right? And I'm trying to say this in a way that's not casting judgment, um, but I, I think it's important that we are aware of what's happening, right? That could be meeting with someone from your school board. I, in ESCO, I had three or four people say, hey, do you know about blah, 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 and why they're running for school board? And I'm like, I have no clue. And after I said it like three or four times, I'm like, I should have some clue. Like, my kids are a part of this school, and the school board is a huge part of what we do, right? And school board meetings 
are boring unless you live in Renshaw. Then they're electric, right? Everywhere else, they're so, they're so boring, right? And so I just made a point to contact all the school people running for school board who were non-incumbents. And I got them to answer. I emailed them all the same questions, and only two got back to me. And it was fascinating because I learned a lot of who I want to influence, like the kids and the students, and, and some that I'm like, I would prefer they don't, right? And I think like that's reaching out to your school board. It could be having coffee with your city councilor. It could be like sh actually showing up to your parent-teacher conferences, right? It could be getting together with your neighbors because you know that the elderly couple, they lost their partner, and like how do we make sure they never have to touch the shovel this winter? It might be hearing someone's going through chemotherapy and thinking through, well, what if we pay their energy bills this, this winter? What if we get a mule train? There's so many beautiful ways, there's so many beautiful ways to do this sacred work. And I bring it up all the time, but I'm just waiting for someone to read the book so we can nerd out together. There's a feminist theologian named Dorothy Soule. Anne Wynne thinks you're laughing, because now you're going to read it, and we're going to nerd out on it, right? It's a book by Dorothy Soule called um, Thoughts on God. And the, she doesn't talk about her thoughts on God until, like, the last chapter. Um, and she says, um, if you want, if you believe that God's to hug the immigrant, God doesn't have arms. But you do. If you think God is saying we should feed the hungry, God does not have a kitchen, but you do. Don't talk about God. Do God, is what she says. And I, when I read that, I put the book down, I'm like, oh, man, I'm really good at talking about God. Super good. If I'm going to do God, if I'm going to do Christ, I'm going to do the works uh, of the hands and feet of Christ, what am I going to do? Where's the opportunities for me to do it? So A, have some level of engagement um, that is realistic for you, right? And we can do hard things. I, uh, the, the amount of conversations, how, how do I say this again? That'll sound like I'm slapping myself on the back, <laughs> but I'll slap myself on the back, right? I have conversations um, with evangelical leaders, and they go over well two out of three times. The other third, when I, and I ask them all the same questions, they either um, ghost me, like they just won't return my phone calls or return me emails, or they will be very frustrated that I'm simply asking questions. The idea of asking a question uh, bothers them because they have to get clear. They have to voice, right, of what is happening or what is not happening. And if they're not doing this, they have to then go into some detail of why they believe they can't do this because they don't see it as a need. They don't see it as an option. So sometimes when we are asking questions or like the needs or opportunities or where people are at, it can be met with some sort of opposition because people don't always like to be clear. They don't always like to be honest because then it reveals who and what they really are. And the reason I say that is there's so many needs in our neighborhoods, right? Like even if you just, even if you have kids or not or they're graduated in your town where you're spending your tax dollars into your schools, I, I just heard Jamie today talking about of it's, it's hard to get teachers because they're undervalued and they're underpaid, right? What could we do to better support the teachers in your neighborhood? You could buy... Like Ross Tollegard, a part of our church, he puts out every year um, um, a wish list. Why, we, there should be no reason that teachers have put a wish list for supplies for their schools, all right? Like, that's a practical way, but most people, we don't always know what are the needs in our schools or in our neighborhoods. All right, now I'm preaching. So be, be aware of the opportunities. And second is this. The, um, uh, 
part in the book, Divine Conspiracy, I don't remember who wrote it, um, it's a great book. One of the things he talks about that is like the scandalous part about Jesus is that Jesus was just radically available, right? I think Jesus was an activist, and I think Jesus, of course, did some transforma- transformational work, but the thing he did is Jesus showed up. Jesus just made itself like available and aware, right? Jesus didn't hide off in some mountain. Jesus didn't hide out in like some welcome center so no one could talk to him or touch him, right? Jesus didn't like have a security team that would walk him around so people could just shake hands. Jesus was radically available. If we know what the needs are, then we actually maybe can like do it to some degree. Do I think that we're going to end the housing crisis as Neighborhood Church in two years? No. But I do know that of as of right before the pandemic, there is a two-year wait list to be uh, in low, low-income housing in Carlton County. Two years. What are you supposed to do for two years if you can't even get access to low-income housing? Right? I, I met a family yesterday that finally got into low-income housing, and they were, um, they were so excited. They're like, we just got this house. Do you, do you want to look at it? Do you want to see it? It's a four-bedroom. I looked at the house, and it's, it, it's, it's not going to make it in the cover of any magazines. Right? But it's going to change their world. Well, if that's a need, what can we do about it? Right? We have a fund here. It's called Neighborhood Good. Right? One way that we address this is that we have people who've donated money, and if you want to donate money, you can. That when people call us and say, I can't pay my electric bill, or most of the time, the last three times, have been victims of domestic abuse, and they need housing. So we put them up in some housing. And that, those funds go to that. That's a way that we can show up. It's a way that we can, uh, I'll end here. There's so many beautiful ways that we show up and do good. Most often time, right? Like I had one lady uh, several years ago, every three months would text me and say, Chris, I have extra time. I really want to volunteer. And I put in like three or four ways in the church and outside the church that they could volunteer. Three, three months later, she texts me again, Chris, oh, I really want to volunteer. Is there ways I can volunteer? I copy and paste from the text right above that. You've ever done that before? You're like, oh, yeah, I can help you. Whoop, and put it here. Three months later, like they love, they love the idea, and they maybe felt some drive, some desire to help change the world. The biggest part is actually do it. And so often, I'll just use me, when I have opportunities to do it, the hardest thing for me is to, like, get in the car and drive there. Nikki is a testament. Anytime I have to do, go somewhere, I'm like, oh, I just want to stay home. Why did I agree to do this? Anyone else like that? Yeah, I, I, it's me, 100%. I'm like, oh, I can't. Why did I schedule this meeting? I just, it's until I get into the car and I show up. I just did this yesterday, and I came home like, I'm so glad I had that meeting with a pastor. It was so good. So be aware, right? Be aware and show up because we don't need to let go of God. We don't have to let go for God to do things. Instead, we can, like, I don't know, do God with God. So I'm going to pray. Please join me. So, God, we love you. And I, where I started, I, I pray, God, that you'd help us, like, in the most pure sense, like, of let go, let God, is that we can let go of our ego. And that you'd highlight uh, this today and this week of all the people that are going to pass us on the highway where we don't have to drive faster, right? But I, I would say that, God, that you'd make us aware of where we hold on to that ego with that kung fu grip. Instead, we can, like, let it go.
and we might lose, we might have to humble ourselves, we might have to drive slower, whatever that looks like, but trust that it's going to lead us to a better way of doing life. And I also ask God that we can move away from that pause button, that we can recognize our bias, we can recognize our privilege. Instead of disconnecting from reality, God, that you would help us be able to see of what is being threatened or what is uh, being pushed back. And we can actually begin to deal with our bias, deal with our racism, deal with whatever it might be so that we can continue to show up as allies. And again, will you use us to do God? That we could be your arms, you can use our kitchens, you can use our cars, you can use the jackets in our basement that we never wear so that other people can experience a good and beautiful life. So use us. And we love you. Amen. Right. Thank you all for coming to Neighborhood. Thank you for those who are listening on the podcast online. And if anyone would like to talk or process, I would love to connect with you. Thank you.